The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Cleveland Clinic, ranked number one in the nation in heart care, 24 years in a row, according to U.S. News and World Report. More information is available at clevelandclinic.org slash rankings. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, October 11th. In today's news, intelligence intercepts directly link Saudi Arabia's crown prince to the disappearance of a Washington Post columnist. Chief Justice John Roberts sat on judicial misconduct complaints against Brett Kavanaugh until after he was confirmed. And Hurricane Michael has caused at least two fatalities in Florida. But first, the big idea. A feud between Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and former acting FBI Director Andy McCabe dates back to Bob Mueller's May 2017 appointment as special counsel. Just days after Mueller was tapped for that role, he found himself drawn into a heated standoff between the two men. Each argued that the other should recuse himself from the Russia probe. At the time of the confrontation, tensions were running especially high at the FBI and the Justice Department. President Trump had just fired Jim Comey, and almost immediately afterward, FBI officials had opened a case into whether the president had obstructed justice. Some in the administration eyed Rosenstein warily, not just because he was appointed by Trump, but also because he had authored the memo that was used by the administration to justify Comey's termination. Justice Department officials, meanwhile, were concerned that the FBI, and McCabe in particular, may have acted too hastily to open an investigative file on a sitting president. One person said part of Rosenstein's argument was that McCabe could not be considered objective in a political probe. He pointed out that McCabe had years earlier worn a t-shirt supporting his wife's campaign for a state Senate seat in Virginia. But McCabe shot back that Rosenstein authoring the memo meant that he was the one who should step away. A source familiar with the matter says, quote, Andy was angry. So angry, in fact, that he slapped the memo down on a desk in front of Rosenstein at one point while they were standing in front of Mueller. In the end, neither Rosenstein nor McCabe recused themselves. But after public urging from Trump, Attorney General Jeff Sessions did fire McCabe on a Friday night just hours before he was set to retire and collect benefits. My colleagues Matt Zapatosky and Devlin Barrett broke this story last night about the previously unreported feud. It really underscores the deep suspicion between senior law enforcement officials who are about to embark on a historic criminal investigation of the president. In a lot of ways, this deep suspicion remains. Rosenstein's interview with House investigators about all these events, which had been scheduled for Thursday, has now been postponed indefinitely. The House Judiciary and Oversight and Government Reform Committees were expected to speak with Rosenstein, the number two at DOJ, behind closed doors. But a dispute over the interview's terms prevented the committee and the Justice Department from reaching a deal to hold the meeting. This delay means Rosenstein probably won't appear on Capitol Hill again until after next month's election, potentially exposing him to a subpoena, unless Democrats win control of the House, in which case that would not materialize. The House Judiciary Committee has frequently used subpoenas in this probe to compel witness testimony and the production of documents. We're also learning about more drama at the highest levels of the Justice Department. It turns out Trump himself talked with Jeff Sessions' own chief of staff, Matt Whitaker, late last month about whether he'd agree to replace Sessions as attorney general. Talk about awkward. 
Their conversation occurred shortly after reports that Rosenstein had suggested wiretapping the president, which Rosenstein said he made in jest. Sources tell my colleagues Zapotosky and Josh Dossi that the conversation was somewhat nebulous. It was not clear, for example, whether Whitaker would take over on an interim basis or be nominated in a permanent capacity. It also wasn't clear how definitive the president's intentions were. But on a long list of indignities that Sessions has endured from his boss, Trump discussing replacing him with his own top aide stands out. White House officials now say that they expect both Rosenstein and Sessions to stay in their jobs until after the midterms, because any move against them would be politically damaging to Republicans in close House races. After that, though, the Justice Department expects the two men at the top will be replaced in short order. It's unclear whether Whitaker will be part of those plans. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, U.S. intelligence intercepts show that Saudi Arabian Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman personally ordered an operation to lure Jamal Khashoggi back to Saudi Arabia in order to detain him. According to several of his friends, the Washington Post columnist and dissident who has been in self-exile here in the D.C. suburbs received phone calls from senior Saudi officials over the past four months, offering him protection and even a high-level government job if he came back to Riyadh. But Khashoggi was suspicious of these offers, and he told one of his friends that the government would never make good on its promises to protect him. This intelligence is another piece of evidence implicating the Saudi regime directly in Khashoggi's disappearance at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul last week. This is creating a political headache for Trump because it directly implicates someone who's especially close to Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. There's long been skepticism among many in the intelligence community about Kushner's relationship with Mohammed. They've had a lot of back-channel talks that didn't go through normal channels. Some of the president's critics blame Khashoggi's disappearance on Trump's deferential approach to interacting with authoritarian leaders. The president told reporters on Wednesday that he was, quote, not happy about what he called a bad situation. In a Fox News interview last night, however, he pushed back on calls to punish Saudi Arabia or sanction them to block arms sales. The incident also raises questions about whether the Trump administration should have warned the journalists that he might be in danger. Intelligence officials have a duty to warn people who might be kidnapped, seriously injured, or killed. The administration won't say whether Khashoggi got any kind of heads up. Number two, Chief Justice John Roberts referred more than a dozen judicial misconduct complaints that had been filed against Justice Brett Kavanaugh to a judge in Colorado for review. Roberts received the first of 15 requests in late September, but he waited until yesterday, after Kavanaugh was confirmed and sworn into the court, to send them for review. They're related to statements Kavanaugh made during his Senate confirmation hearings, and they were initially filed with the appellate court here in Washington, where he served the last dozen years. The allegations center on whether Kavanaugh was dishonest and whether he lacked judicial temperament during his Senate testimony, according to people familiar with them, but we haven't actually seen the complaints. One expert on the operation of federal courts at the University of Pittsburgh says it's unprecedented for a new justice to face these kinds of complaints. Now, the judicial branch's rules on misconduct do not apply to Supreme Court justices, amazingly enough. The Tenth Circuit, which got the complaints, will probably decide to dismiss them as moot now that Kavanaugh has joined the high court, because again, the rules don't apply to Supreme Court justices. Meanwhile, FBI Director Chris Wray defended his handling of the Bureau's limited background investigation into the sexual assault allegations against Kavanaugh. 
Here he is telling lawmakers on Wednesday that the investigation followed standard procedures. I think I would say that our uh, investigation here, our supplemental update to the previous background investigation was limited in scope and that that is consistent with the standard process for such investigations going back quite a long ways. Number three, Hurricane Michael, the strongest hurricane on record to ever hit the Florida panhandle, made landfall Wednesday and is wreaking havoc as it moves northward. The storm first hit Mexico Beach, Florida as a Category 4. Eyewitness photos show devastating damage. Winds peaked at 155 miles per hour, ranking fourth highest on record for a hurricane hitting the continental U.S. As of this morning, at least two people have died in the storm, including a child. Now the concern moves to Georgia, the Carolinas, southern Virginia, and the southern half of the Delmarva Peninsula, where flooding rainfall is a growing threat. The National Hurricane Center said in its latest update that the storm is weakening as it crosses Georgia and moves northeast towards South Carolina. Heavy rain is expected here in D.C. over the next couple days as a result of this storm. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, October 11th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.